Welcome to Mental Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, psychological health, physical health, awareness in men, women and society. First, it started with MAN, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you today. This has been a long time in the making. Um, we've been back and forth and getting dates and all sorts of stuff, back and forth. And it, um, I've just given him a name, um, the, coffee yep. con- the Coffee Connoisseur. <laughs> the coffee connoisseur. Well, listen, uh, I'm just about to make a coffee, so I'll let you, I'll let you be involved in this this experience. That uh, it's just about to. Happen. It's a bit noisy. No, can you no, hear no, it? No. Yeah, I can hear it. Sure, yeah. They're the whole beans grinding. The whole beans. Yeah, uh, and I've got last Altos decaf because I've, I've got a bit of a dodgy ticker, so I'm only allowed decaf now. Oh. Right, okay. so, and I know we're a podcast, but can you hear the beans? <laughs> so, whole <laughs> beans all the way. So, um, anyway, how are you? Let's, let's, what, um, tell, introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are. Yeah, so, uh, Peter Kelly. I'm a senior psychologist uh, working with the health and safety executive, but I spent 20 years in mental health. Uh, mental health advocacy, had a background in clinical and was uh, often saw people who had, you know, symptoms of depression and anxiety and thought, must be a different way of doing this. Yeah. So I looked at, well, if, why don't we try and prevent it rather than actually constantly trying to treat it? Yeah, so that's how I ended up uh, in HSE doing what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, it's been an interesting journey because 20 years ago, people just looked at me blindly when I talked about mental health. Um, you know, and we had the whole stigma stuff and, and people saying, well, you know, it's, you've got mental health, you, you must be dangerous, you must be this. And all of that's rubbish, you know what I mean? So, but it's been good to see the seed change, but I still think we've, we've probably got a bit of a, let's try and treat the individual and not the source. Yeah. Um, so I'm particularly interested in how you, how you look at the systems that create people's mental health issues, you know? Yeah. So you, so you. I mean, you've you've been in it, a, you know, a long while, a long while. Um, and where are you, where are you based? So I'm based up in Liverpool. Hey, I'm a Liverpool season ticket holder. Oh yeah, ready, yeah, ready for the abuse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've um, been there 20 years. But I'm originally from Australia, so I'm an adopted Scouser. Right, okay. um, but so in Australia, I, I uh, support Manly Warringah in the rugby rugby league. Uh, so I like my old rugby league and Craig Johnson, obviously, yeah. uh, one of the first Aussies to play over here and yeah, he played at Liverpool. Do you remember his story? Do you remember um, his story? I remember... I he remember. turned up at the training ground. He said he wanted to have a kick around. He'd come all the way from Australia to have a kick around with them and he turned up at Liverpool's training ground. Didn't have it. And, and uh, they get, oh, okay, because you come all the way from Australia to see what you can do. That was so, yeah. Yeah, Craig Johnson. I, I remember him. Um, um, was successful, and wasn't he successful with the with the Adidas Predators as well? The, he became, he, he kind of started. Yeah, Mega did it. Yeah, kickstarted, invented that and stuff like that. So that that was a global success as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't. It's, that's strange. I, I haven't heard about him for years. It's just like he's just, you know, he's. I know he's still big. He's still big down, down, down under at home and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, 
yeah, as you said, credits with his idea. Let's put a few cuts in the boot and see what it does. And it's been probably a bit of a, a, a simplification of what yeah, he did, yeah. but 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 you know it made it, uh, yeah it, you know it made it made a difference. But uh, yeah, incredible side that. And what's really interesting though is a lot of them now, um, a lot of ex footballers are coming out and talking about the mental health. Yeah, no, and, and I it's funny. I think that's that's great. It's funny yeah. as well because, just, because we're talking about you talk about yeah you say the mental health because we had that thing didn't we years ago where some of the footballers um, talked about being you know turning to uh, you know alcohol like Tony Adams and alcoholics and stuff like that and it kind of it made the headlines and it kind of disappeared in a sense. You know, the ga- poor Gasco, and then that—that that was a bit, late, you know, that was a bit maybe around the same time, a bit later. But we've never heard much. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's keeping things away from the public, or I don't know what that is. You know, th- you know, football so much. There's so much money in football, so to keep these things away. But like you say, it, you know, I mean, it's interesting you say that, though. I mean, just in the last eighteen months, uh, a number of footballers have come out publicly yeah, yeah. and said that they've suffered with, with depression. And they're, they're footballers who are playing, um, and I think that's great. And I think also that you know the Duke of Cambridge's work uh, is has been really influential, you know, in terms of like you know getting people to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've spent twenty years fighting this stigma, and I, I just don't get it. You know, I don't get why we don't talk about mental health yeah, because yeah. why we go into work, be that a football pitch or be that a, a factory, and not ask how we are because we do it with your family. Yeah. Why can't you do it with? Why can't you do it with your mates? Yeah. Uh, my mates know when I'm when I'm not in a good place. As I say to them, guys, I'm I'm not travelling well here. That's an Australian term. How are you travelling? What's the road like? You know what I mean. So if you're travelling along, is it straight? Is it good? There are a few bumps, you know, because we obviously have some really crap roads in Australia. But, yeah, yeah. but you understand, it's like yeah, yeah, it's a really it's good same, way. Yeah. It's interesting that because you just said as well that people say that's a really good point because we say to people every day, "How are you?" We ask. Even if we don't, even if we don't mean it, like if we, you know, if it's a workplace or whatever, you know, I don't mean that. We don't mean it. I mean, you know, if you might send an email, I said, "How?" Uh, you know, might just start to mean, "How are you? How's things?" or whatever. Then we go out and get on the email. We always ask how someone is, and that is to do with mental health because it's to do with asking, "Is that person? Are you okay today? Are you all right today? Are you happy? Are you sad?" And that's mental. That's that's our mental health. It's funny we do that. And all if you the time. if you ask them if you're okay, they're going to go. Oh yes, of course, yeah. Because it's a closed question. Yeah, it's a closed question. Yeah. So asking the question, "How are you traveling?" Oh, wait, between one and ten, where how are you traveling today? Yeah. That gives you the option to say, "Oh, I'm about a five. Oh, okay, so you're a five. What, what, what things are not great? You're a little bit bumpy, and it and it prompts the next conversation. Yeah. How are you? We'll always get one answer. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm yeah. fine. The I'm, I'm fine moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What I was going to ask you as well. You know. You know. You're saying because it's just thing to do with tears of a clown. I'm, I'm just kind of connecting the dots as well with with the Liverpool thing. Um, Liverpool have always produced some brilliant comedians and still got the, still producing them now. Um, probably some, probably the best comedians. Um, and you know the thing to do with tears of a clown and some you know some comedians are very um, can be quite unhappy or sad inside or whatever it may be or things that affect them and they use comedy as a, as a sense to. Because we do it, don't we? We do, we use, it's not just comedians, we use, we might use laughter or 
a joke to oh. hide what we're you know something that's happened on a day we use exactly. we use jokes and stuff like that so yeah if you're out with your mates I mean excuse the French but you take the piss out of your mates because that's the way of you sort of defensively asking how are you now I, I had a pub recent event when we were allowed in pubs and one of our mates said oh you know I had a crap day but it all but it started out because there was a mickey tape yeah. but actually it gave the opportunity to say yeah it's not good and we all came around and, you know we gave them the support yeah. um, and I think that was really important you know it's actually it, 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 it's those things where it's it's okay as guys to say hey it, it, it isn't going well you know what I mean things are things aren't great uh, or it's also equally it's equally okay to say things are you know things are good and um, and just getting along alongside your mates you know I've had a monumental crap couple of years I lost uh, my best mate four years ago yeah. I've lost three others and um, and then obviously I, I live on my own I've been in uh, in, in, in this experience like the 11 months um, you know and I've had moments I just I woke up uh, a couple of months ago I put on the TV YouTube came up and there was a donkey on it who was super excited to see his owner and I just started crying yeah. and I just thought uh, you know what <laughs> it was just a nice thing but then at that point I, I got in the shower um, and I was crying and I thought I've got to get myself out of this space into something else yeah, yeah. I, I just walked for two hours. I just like walked it out. Um, but it's it's being sensitive to those cues. And I listen. I stand up in front of an audience and I go, you know, anxiety has been my, uh, you know, my partner, my bedfellow, whatever you want to call, it, for the last twenty years. Yeah, but yeah. I accept that that's a part of my life. And actually, uh, being able to talk about it is very important about breaking down that stigma. You know, I'm a psychologist. I've got all the skills in the box. But it still doesn't mean I don't feel a little yeah, feel anxious. Yeah, I was just about to say that as well. I was just about to say it goes back to that thing with the doctor, doesn't it? The thing about you know doctors, doctors they they, they, they they treat us, and quite often because because we we because when we associate doctors or we associate as a child or young person growing up we associate things to things so we associate this person is a doctor whether it's a man or a woman and we don't see that that doctor can get ill but we don't but but they can because they're human being just because they're doctors doesn't mean that they can't do you know what I mean just because you know like you say you know you, you know you've worked in things doesn't mean that things don't affect you uh, it, it affects ment- you know the things to do with everyday life you know, whether it's bereavement, whether it's, um, I don't know, divorce, whatever it may be, I don't know, um, poverty, whatever it is, they, they affect us all, no matter what, you know, you know what, what profession we're in. Um, yeah. And isolation is a, a key issue now. Isolation and loneliness. And I'm a massive extrovert. And I think for the first time in my life, I've understood what loneliness is and the, the concept of isolation. Uh, and I've thought, Oh man, that's that's just not a great place. But actually, I've, I'm learning from it, and I think that's what that's the important thing is. I can use that to understand other people's situations, and yeah. uh, um, and uh, you know, and say, yeah, actually, that that really isn't. That's not you know what we like. We know the moment we got a, a rise in mental health, common mental health problems, depression, or anxiety, um, as an outcome of the the the, the pandemic. 
the lockdown, etc. So what you know is that the recession will give you mental ill health. Um, a pandemic will give you mental ill health, but we're not actually have all three together at one time. And, and now we've got both of them together, which means that you're going to have a, a consequence on people's mental health. And I think it's what really important why as men, we need to be open about that and go, hey, wow, I was not expecting this. Listen, I booked a table in my pub on the 12th because uh, just, I don't care if no one turns up. It's just I'm going to be outside on my table having a beer and enjoying the fact there are people around, you know, and I think that's... Yeah, and um, for listeners out there, I mean, you know, this podcast could be heard in many years. It's, yeah. It's 2021. 2021. Um, and, we, you know, we've gone through a year of... Um, what, yeah, what, pandemic... Change. Change, restriction, whatever, whatever you want to call it, and... You know what is you know what he's mentioning there is that you're saying that pubs are, is that the date when pubs are going to be open? Only outside, so you outside. can go outside and have a drink outside. But from this Monday, you can meet with six people outside as well. So um, yeah, so they they. But I, I think for me, it's this social element that I gathered from going to the pub or going for a restaurant, you know, or a wine bar, um, or just being able to hang out with people. So, um, yeah, so it, it's, um, we've been through these various different stages, obviously, over 12 months, and we had bits where we could hang out with people. And, um, but, yeah, it's so I've just been looking forward to that. I've had my vaccine because I'm in, the, in my 50s, yeah. um, which is, uh, you know, I'd thoroughly recommend that to anyone. It's, um, you know, I, 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 I was okay, a little bit sore in my arm, felt a little bit tired the next day, but, you know, it's, it's just... It's, it's grabbing back some of that control, isn't it? And that's the thing about um, what we're finding. Um, you know, one of the things we've done in in our in my work through HSE was we did the management standards. We looked at six areas that uh, you find in stress, which leads to mental health and work. So that's demands, control, role, relationships, support, and change. But which is the seminal event of of, of the last you know thirty years? But what we're in now. Is, uh, and I like to sort of talk about you remember that film The Perfect Storm yeah 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 you remember the boat going up the, yeah, yeah. up the tidal wave yeah. yeah well so the boat is uh, the two pandemics and the tidal wave is what's what's, yeah, what's coming you know and I think um, and um, and I just think we need to be prepared we will get through the pandemic we will get through the recession but we need to make sure our people's mental health is looked after um you can't simply make people mindful and resilient if you're not going to make some structural changes to and i think that's so that's where i'm at which is you know and that's one of the reasons i i came into this area of occupational sort of psychology and occupational health psychology in particular is because i want to encourage people to have workplaces that promote health you know um, i mean look look at look at Jurgen Klopp okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what, what does he do he gets alongside his players and he shows them empathy he shows them he shows them um, authenticity and why not have that in the people that we work for why can't we be authentic with the people that we work yeah, for yeah. Um, you know I, I will find my boss up and say I'm having a crap day 
because I think it's important for me to say, you know, and he he understands that being on my own here uh, can can occasionally get to you. So, but because I, I have that relationship with my boss, I think that's really important. That's definitely I have that relationship with my mate, my mate, so it can go. Look, can I go for a walk? I need to go for a walk. And I have actually phoned my mate at nine thirty, and I said, Dave, I need a walk. And he's like, Yeah, no worries. And he comes out, and we walk. <laughs> Just, I, I think I'm very, you know. And so yeah, I've tried to, from a socially distance, of course. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna, there's a few things I'm going to pick up on that is because um, we can talk about that as well um, to do with coping mechanism. Obviously, that's you've at this moment in time you've found your coping mechanism which is walking which is what I've what I've found on on the podcast is um, when people have come on and a lot of people have spoke about they've they've used one obviously walking is good for you it keeps you fit gets you out in the in the in the in the it keeps you it keeps you out of the house um, you know particularly if you've got a partner but if you've got a part, someone who you can partner with and walk with uh, if you've got music, then you can t- take music. But that's very important to to be able to get out there and kind of um, clear. In sense, they call it clearing your head. You know, whether it's running, climbing something, climbing something, walking, anything. Those are kind of coping strategies. Um, your we'll just we'll just kind of talk about Liverpool, just to let yeah. the people um, and, and then the yeah, connection. Yeah, the context. Yeah, the, the, you know. Where is, I mean, we've had people from Liverpool on the show before, but where is Liverpool and what's it like to live there? Well, I, li- I live outside of Liverpool, but I've, been, I've worked in Liverpool for 25 years. It's an amazing city um, with a brilliant sense of humour. And you've really got to adapt to that humour um, because they will take the, the mickey out of you <laughs> from the moment you go into the work till the moment you leave. And I think, um, but, but a very, a really caring culture as well. You know, I've... Uh, you know, I've had mates who, okay, we haven't been into work for 11 months, but they still phone me and say, you know, what are you doing? And they still take the mickey out of me. And I think that's that's, that's a part of this, this city, I think, is really, really important. A real sense of, you know, I, I, I definitely feel cared for by by the people I work for. Um, and But that doesn't stop them taking the mickey out of me, which I think is part of the... Uh, and, and, and Mickey is just making fun for those cases. You think, what, what is Mickey? But you know, make, take, taking the fun out of me. But I, I give as good as I get. You know, so I think that's uh, yeah. So uh, the, the, you know, the city has a, a great, uh, a great way of bouncing back and a great way of responding. You know, um, I've got relatives who are Everton fans. And you know, I'm, I'm Liverpool, so it's the the rivalry, and, you know, your blue noses um, and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, yeah, I, I I love it. I mean, I love working in the city, and uh, you know, I, I, I do feel like maybe I've got a scout sense of humour mixed with my Aussies, so it's probably a great mix, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for those but a real, a, a genuine empathy. I guess that's what it is. I just, I generally feel that people. The, the one, the people I've met and interacted with and engaged with, yeah, you know, they're good fun. They, yeah. but but they also care, and you know, you see that. Uh, they don't just sit and not talk to you. Everyone's on the bus. I don't know, you know, where 
where you've lived and played before. But, you know, in Liverpool, you, you, you'll never be alone on a bus. You'll never, never walk, walk alone. alone. You'll never walk alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because someone's always going to chat to you. Aren't they always yeah. going to go, right, lads. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this guy, this guy got on the, on the, on the bus and uh, he was a weightlifter. He's the same age as me, Dad. And he said, all right, kid. And I went, oh, yeah. And he said, look at these guns. And he put his, he put his hands up, you know, yeah. and said, trying to show his muscles and he said 75 I am 75 not bad for 75 yeah. <laughs> and this is just like me dad that's what my dad used to do you know 74 look at this I've been to the gym but I didn't know him from Adam at all but it was just that interaction bit you know what I mean like it, it, and, that was, and that was 10 years ago and I still laugh about it now but you know <laughs> yeah like you say Liverpool I mean I've been there quite a few times um, Liverpool and it does and like I said, it, it, a sense of, you know, having a, have, having laughter and a sense of, you know, a sense of humour in your life can actually help to, particularly like in these times now where the, the, the you know, the, the pandemic or whatever um, has kind of, and the restrictions and this, that, even, you know, even the thing, to, I, don't, I don't really call it social distancing because I don't like it, I don't like it being called, I like it to be called physical distance. I just think that phrase has been coined too much and right. something put out by the government. But if, if you were... If you're on one of my webinars, you see one of my slides, which talks about um, um, the fact is what we want is social connection. So we talk about social distancing, but what we want is social connection. And that's really, really important. And um, we have to create, we've got physical distance between us. We have to create social connection amongst our friends, amongst our workplace. You know, I think that because we're inherently creatures of social interaction. And if you look at, and it's really interesting, look, if you look at what, the animal world, you see, you know, all of the similar traits, you know, this social social element, you know, lions about being part of the pride. If you look at uh, meerkats, they're always hanging out together. And, you know, there's that. They, 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 I think we're just built to be sociable and we just have to. And I think the pandemic is kind of like, oh, no, no, no. And that's why um, just simply seeing someone when I'm out walking, when, I'm, when I wasn't in a bad place, it made me feel good because I didn't feel like I would, you know, and I think that's, that, you know, and now I just do, people go, hi, Pete, and sort of like, you're away from a distance. But that's, um, I, I mean, I'm going to carry on walking. You know, I uh, I was just looking at my health app the other uh, last night, and I did, uh, had a good day yesterday. I did about 20,000 steps, which is equivalent to about nine to 10 miles. Um, but I felt energised, you know, because I mean? I'd just been out. That's only two walks of one and a half hour each, you know, and I just, I was like, yes, you know, and, and I met when I was out, three or four people I knew, and we, we, we briefly chatted from a distance and then um, then carried on, and I thought, oh, that was nice. Like, I hadn't seen them. How are they? Where, how are they travelling? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point there, what you made there as, as well, is that it's not just about that... The, the app or it's not just well there is the, the app but it's not it's not just about the fact that you 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 say hello to somebody or you someone sees you or whatever the what actually can help your mental health is that you've you've there's a success story in that so your success story was just then in that kind of snapshot was oh i did quite well and that 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 because i was you know i was told people, kids and all that sort of stuff, as I've done things over the years, is that always kind of 
If you celebrate your own successes, no matter how small it is, I don't say small because it's not small, is it? A success is big, no matter what it is. So, but if you celebrate it, you it makes you feel happy, and we know that about happy hormones and all that sort of stuff. It, it, you know, endorphins and that sort of stuff. It, it makes you feel it makes you feel good for that moment and probably even a few days. Oh, you know, you know, I've walked this many steps because you, when you said it, then you, you your demeanor changed. Yeah. Well, that's because I mean, the, the, the in, inside your brain you have uh, serotonin and dopamine, which are neurotransmitters, and they they trick they trick it off by exercise. That's why you get that rush yeah, yeah. when you do. You know what I mean? And uh, so that's why you feel better because actually biologically something's changing, and your, your neurotransmitters go, "Whoa, I'm on this." Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? And and you so, so you get the um, and obviously with I don't know, but with depression and anxiety, what happens is those neurotransmitters drop. And that's why we we get this sort of this sense of depression or anxiety. So, doing things to, to prompt it is really important. So, both the physical exercise, but also the emotional exercise of engaging with people. You know what I mean? And having that that thing that builds you up and goes, "Wow, you know, yeah, I've got it. Didn't realise that had happened to you." Or, you know, and I mean, I cut my own hair the other day, um, and with with my shavers, and and uh, the, when I was out, I said, just, "Will you just tell me it looks all right, or is it crap?" Because I obviously I can't see from behind my head. And uh, one of your mates went, oh, "It's all right. It'll do until you see the barbers." But, but it's but it's that kind of like you know. He said, "Actually, it's not." Uh, he said, "Actually, it's not that bad." <laughs> but yeah, you know, so you're shoving one of these shapers up the back. Of I mean, um, obviously, this is on. Um, on a podcast and I have got some hair but you know what I mean so we, I've got to I've got to level it out a bit you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's what I mean and you attempted it it's these things that like you said you, you know the banter with your, your friends you know and all these things that are, are kind of these are things because what I was going to say to you earlier was that there's people out there that that don't have that so the grand interaction that you have or we or some of us have there's going to be people out there that don't have it who are really lonely, don't see anybody. Yeah. Some people who are really introverted. You said you're an extrovert. You know, I'm an introvert. Um, but I've kind of, in one, you know, in, in a lot of ways, but I'm able to, you know, I'm able to do the job what I do, maybe because, I, you know, I like working with children and young people and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you say, for, for, for every person that has a family and friends around, there's going to be some people out there that uh, struggle with and and, and 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 mate there's people you need to reach out to but not like hey let's do this actually just to sit i i call up my mates who, yeah. who i know and yeah. and i say listen you know just sort of check in check in and um or if someone's really in a bad like not in a great place say let's have a because obviously you can't meet let's have a soon beer or a coffee yeah. and and you know and so i look for opportunities to create that and and i think that's important because those people might not necessarily reach out to you, but it doesn't stop you reaching out, does it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, how often have you thought, geez, I should, I should give that, give that, give my mate a call? Well, every time you have that thought and you do it, you'd be pleasantly surprised because yeah, it's yeah. like there's a reason you have thought, oh, yeah, I need to reach out. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And you're, we're going to talk about your 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 journey in a minute. Um, I was going to say that we when you were speaking earlier about mental health in this time 
I've said it, I said it, funny, I said this before, I said this last year, and when I started this podcast last February, um, I said it, that when it kind of, this whole thing kicked off, it was February, actually. In fact, it, it was, was, yeah. It was before, yeah, and what happened was... March the 21st is the official date, but yeah. it was kicking off in February. February yeah, and then I, I always said, because I, I analyse things, you see, I really do, I, you know, I'm kind of a deep thinker, and I analyse things and I thought... To me, and I've said it on the podcast, the earlier podcast, I said this biggest fallout of all this whole thing. Yes, we, dare I say, we've got, we've there's going to be deaths. Uh, you know, we say there's deaths because we've had deaths from the flu and pneumonia and all that sort of stuff, but no one ever talked about them. But we never, we never until now. It's not only now that we're recognising the fallout of this is the biggest fallout is going to be mental health because we 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 have deaths. And they occur whether it's like you say flu, pneumonia, and all that sort of stuff. And flu's, you know, we're going to have deaths. We've had deaths in this, but the biggest thing for this is going to be um, um, uh, mental health, um, in terms of suicide rates and people just turning to crime and drugs and all that sort of stuff. Um, what's your thoughts on well, that? I think I think what it is, it's it's not necessarily the se- the severe mental health. It's the um, it, what it is, it's it's those common mental health problems that you get. Yeah, so depression and anxiety will will be there, um, which then can lead on to those. You know, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if you think of the statistics for the U- the UK last year, uh, post pre pandemic, six thousand suicides. Um, and that that had that rate has been increasing generally over the last few years, which is an interesting fact, isn't it? When yeah, the, yeah. the uh, that actually um, when we're doing when we're doing a lot of what we're doing, are we actually doing the right thing? Are we targeting the right resources? Um, so um, this is why things like your podcast uh, and the webinars and everything are really important. It's about raising that expected to say you're not alone in this journey you know you can talk to people people are here you can, we, there are people that can get alongside you and I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. Um, you know yeah and it goes back to I think what you said you know we made a, we made a, we made a joke about it earlier but you never walk alone um, which is kind of you know ironically on this podcast with, you know talking about Liverpool you, you know Liverpool supporter I'm a Liverpool supporter um, and it's that thing that you know you know I remember taking some kids to Liverpool game, so, you know, kids that had never been outside Nottingham, and we went up, and when they sang that song, it just put the hairs in the back of your neck. It stood up, and I always, from a kid, I always recognised that song as a song where, even in this time to do with mental health, it's a, it's a it's a poignant song because you would never walk alone, and that's what you if you can tell people, if we can let people out there know that. There's always there's going to be somebody out there for you to help you. Um, it's just you having that kind of faith and that kind of confidence to try and reach out to people. And you walk that walk with that person. That's the thing. That's the principle. You never walk alone. That that person walks alongside you, isn't it? Um, or runs alongside you when you're running. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is that that's it. Yeah, you know, I I, I sat and, and in Anfield, and then every hair in your neck, you know, even if you've been there many a time, just goes, yeah, you know, yeah. because you feel actually 
you know that's and you see the uh, the the opposition fans singing along you know, and and actually the, the, when you look at the words of the song there's a great great sort of anthem isn't it and i think um yeah um and i just think it's it's a part of you know that what we've gone through for the last 11 months you know we haven't walked alone but we have had moments we have had people who are who feel alone feel like yes and i really think it's important that um we reach out beyond ourselves and to the others you know so even if don't ask the question how are you if you're not prepared to ask for the answer do you see what i mean you've got to you've got to go with that answer and um i tire i tire of people who turn around and, and guys say well you know we shouldn't talk about this we don't know men don't talk about mental health men don't cry men do cry yeah men do cry because actually we're human men cry when the birth of their child when they suck when their kid rides a bike and uh, for the first time when he goes to school at the at the, at the, at the at primary school and when he gets his first girlfriend you take the mickey you know but, or if it's a boy you know what i mean at every stage in that child's life you have showed human some human emotion yeah and in some cases maybe people haven't received that we have to acknowledge that you know but the, a lot of the time you have got the potential and i think it's you know it, it, it's it's it, we should just break down those barriers um and and generally be interested in asking our mates how they are um, you know, we spoke about some of the way in terms of we we often say things like you know you know as a man we don't we don't cry or whatever. But it's funny because we it's that term, isn't it? Yeah. Andy, man up. What yeah. what is that? What is what is manning up? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what manning up is? I tell you what, manning up. Manning up is getting alongside your mates and asking them how they are. Manning up is not walking away and going, oh, "I can't do that." Do you want uh, that for me? Uh, I said this in a pub uh, pub meeting we had uh, online, and I said, "You know, um, I, I use this swear word, but I was so passionate about it because I thought I'm tired of people saying, I, I man up.' I don't, you know, yeah, absolutely, man up if that's what it is. But manning up isn't what you think. It's about being there for your mates yeah, uh, you know yeah, male female mates yeah. that's what it's about yeah, yeah. because you, you you have the two sides and this is what i'm going to say then is that we often we often um how can i put it we we often back our mates up if there's going to be trouble or you know that's an emotion anger or whatever physicality or whatever maybe we 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 want to protect and all this sort of stuff, but then when it's when it's other side, it's almost like oh, well, we shouldn't really do that. We shouldn't really ask the question. Do you see what I mean? When really we're 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 a whole person. We're all we you know. Do you know what I mean? We're a human being, and we've got all these different emotions, and we shouldn't be take the side of oh, we're gonna you know we're ready for a scrap, and you know if somebody's protect, but then if somebody's feeling low we don't protect them yeah which um which is that's i don't understand it (laughs) there's more protection in doing that and it's generally rubbish about standing up to your mates and everything else you know if you stand up to your mate in that situation you get them out of that situation (laughs) and 
he was a, a professional footballer right now um, who told the story about when they were um, in, a, in a pub environment. His mate said, are you with me? He said, yeah, I'm 100 metres ahead of you. I, I'm getting out of this <laughs> situation. And I thought that was brilliant because actually, and then he said, well, he followed, didn't he? And I went, so, you know, I think um, the, the, the real strength in it is just being being real with your, with your mates. Real support is being there in the in the times when, when when they need it. You know, yeah. your mate's going through a divorce. He's going to have a bad day. Yes, exactly, exactly. Those sort of those you're gonna, you know, and, and and I say mates. I mean mates, both male and female. Yeah. We've all got, um, you know, and actually it's the same principle. Just be there for that person. You know, be there and uh, and and do what you can to to get them away from that situation. So let's talk about you know how how have you how have you kind of charted yourself through you know through life and how what's what what is it that's made you become this person that wants to help people you know what is it about for you? Uh, I, I think it was embedded into me. I've always chosen careers which have which have got people at the centre of them. Yeah. Um, I think, but I, I suppose in terms of psychology, what I what I found was a way to understand how people initially think and that and, you know that was where I was like trying to understand how I thought was you know part of that process um, I also think embracing the fact that I suffered from anxiety for 20 plus years um, is, has um, has sorry about that that, that was a call in um, because I've embraced that um was I saying yes I've embraced what, what's happened uh, that's been a driver for me to do what I do because yeah, yeah. I'm I'm conscious I've had that lived experience again um, and I remember it had been a few years since I had a bit of an episode, a bit of a difficult time and I lost my best mate uh, to cancer and the day after I stood up in front of an audience and I said um, you know, you know, I'm here to talk about. You know, we're talking about mental health, and, and, and I said, and, and I said, sometimes that journey's rough. And I said, you know, I lost my best mate yesterday, but I'm standing here because my best mate would have said, Pete, you, you, do, you do the job that you do, and, and carry on doing that. You know, and actually, um, but that was a, a, a just a, a way of making myself vulnerable to say, yeah. I, I might not be, you know. And actually, it was we had a, a great session, and a lot, quite some people came up afterwards. And, Said, how are you? And, you know, or, you know, and and actually, but that authentic, being authentic was really important. And I've tried to do that in whatever I do is yeah. to be real. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I think if you're real, people like be, people react. Like can be empowering, can't it? It's empowering because even though we we, we look at it and think that's it's a vulnerable, it makes us vulnerable and it's open to whatever. It then becomes empowering to people to kind of come. They ask different questions, or they come to you and say, you know, you know, where they probably wouldn't have asked before. They start to ask different questions, different thought processes, because you've yeah. left yourself vulnerable. It makes it becomes, like you said, an empowering thing. Yeah, and what you say is, look, um, you can have a really bad day, but you can still get through. And there's things, you know, actually, um, and uh, that it, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to have those emotions. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but you do that because that's important. Uh, you do that because um, 
that's just the part of being genuine in this area. I mean, I could do a presentation on the stand up, I can tell you all the facts, I can tell you all the numbers, tell you everything you want to know, I can tell you the DSM you know, criteria for depression and anxiety. But I could do all that and have no impact. Whereas if I stand up and I tell you the story, and I tell you what I'm trying to communicate to you about why authentic and compassionate leadership is really important, that's going to make that has more of an impact than me simply giving the stats yeah every one of us has been influenced by somebody at some stage in our life where we've gone wow yeah, yeah. yeah. and when you've had that wow moment you want to know what was it about them that you made you feel you know feel feel like you wanted to do something better or different um and you know i mean i'm, I'm a dyslexic dyspraxic um terrible time at school was constantly in trouble got cane these are the days when we used to cane you oh, <laughs> yeah yeah it's going back in the 70s okay. um but it was really fun interesting because my careers advisor said to me uh, him uh, he said uh, i have no idea what you're going to be peter but he said you're you're only five three so he thought about being a jockey and i said to him i said well sir i can't ride a horse he said, oh, I don't know what to tell you that. <laughs> and that was his career advice, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I got my first degree, um, my mum went back into the school and said, there you go, not bad for somebody that didn't have any direction and you want, you know, and, and it was like, as you just say, you know, you can do these things, you can get over your uh, your perceived difficulties. I mean, I didn't know I had to, I didn't know I had dyslexia until I went to do an access course to go to university and said, oh, you're dyslexic. And I went, Oh really? Because no one had told me. Yeah, yeah, I just thought yeah. I, I just really struggled, and I did the classic uh, in the seventies. You were just uh, you got into trouble, you got cane. You know, I spent more time probably outside of the classroom than inside it. But um, but I think I've used that to think. Well, you know, like I, I like work with students a lot and go uh, like have uh, sometimes have placements with them, and, I, and it's about saying you know. Yeah. Somebody did it for me. You got it. You feel like a, a giving it back occasionally. Yeah. So I'm going to go with some. I'm going to go with something. A thought percent. I still can't ride a horse. Though. I still can't <laughs> ride a horse. <laughs> I, I, it's on my bucket list. It's on my Aint- bucket list. Aintree. You haven't you've been to Aintree then? You haven't been to Aintree yet. I've been Aintree <laughs> and I've lost at Aintree probably due to the alcohol consumption. Um, and uh, but it always starts off well in Aintree. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, it's Aintree. Aintree's amazing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love the power of watching, uh, particularly not necessarily jumps, but uh, you know, on on the straights. And you know, I think they're magnificent animals. These. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 yeah, maybe I'll get to sit on a horse and learn to ride one sometime the next week. Why not? So I've gone through the pandemic. Why not treat myself to a couple yeah. of horse riding lessons? Yeah. Um, so you, I was going to go on something there where. It's funny, isn't it, how nothing, my mum always says this, nothing happens before it's time. And what's interesting about that is, and some and things in life, is that when you said you grew up in a time where you grew up in a time where you were getting caned, it's funny, isn't it? You were getting caned for something that you didn't, not really had control, in a sense, didn't have control. If you, you know, do you know what I mean? You, 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 de- you wasn't diagnosed until later. But if you think about it, if you'd been diagnosed before, you wouldn't have got caned and you wouldn't have got yourself in trouble. Is that... Is well, that I, I, might, I, I might have got myself in trouble. Yeah, but, but do you know what I mean? It's that thing, isn't it? It's that double-edged sword where 
we, yeah, yeah. You know, we go through life, and if certain, if if this had been, if this had gone this way, then this would happen, or this. Um, so that's again, there's another kind of thought that I've, I've just dealt. You see, what was interesting was in science, I was a, a top student. Yeah. If I could do something with it, if I could blow it up, fix it, whatever. But if you asked me to write about it, I couldn't do it. And 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 so English was out of the, out of order. Um, uh, maths because uh, you struggle with maths as well. So English and maths came out really badly. But I was great in science. Um, I, I wasn't particularly good at metal work. Um, so it, although I did it as an elective, um, and I'd, um, I'd, I actually actually because I got barred from the metal work class, I actually built a bird cage out in the quadrangle at school. Um, and uh, because they wouldn't let me back in, so it's funny now. I, I, and then my mum came to pick it, pick it up, and she went, um, "I said, where's the wire?" <laughs> so I, I gave her the frame, but I didn't put any wire on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? Do you know what? She she like she barred me for the night. <laughs> Wasn't allowed out. And the next day, I had to go and get some barbed wire to put around the. The, uh, the it was a big bird cage, but it wasn't a small one. It's yeah, like yeah, one yeah. meter bird cage. You know, this is a, it was an aviary. It was, it was, a, it was a, like, yeah. but functionally it didn't work without the uh, the wire around it. But <laughs> but it's funny, you know, from a school perspective. Yeah, like yeah. I've used those experiences. I've learned from them. You know, I think um, yeah, I wouldn't. I don't want to. Would have preferred not to have gone through them. Uh, uh, having. Understanding what your mental, your your, your, your dyslexia and dyspraxia is being really good, and that's helped me to understand some of the time as well. I become frustrated with myself because I know now, um, actually, uh, these certain things are going to irritate me, and because actually I'm not going to be good at them. Because, but I'm good at other things. Yeah. You know, I'm good at talking. I'm good at uh, you know at doing presentations. I just you know you don't you don't sort of order me to do and come in to do like 100 pages because I'm like yeah, yeah. That, that's not my thing you know um, so I have voice recognition software and stuff but yeah yeah it's 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 a strange you know gladly we have learned from that yeah. um, you know we've learned from that experiences but I've never let it set me back I've just thought well okay um, they're good stories to tell in the pub aren't they yeah so have you been <laughs> always been a person that what have you want like you said at that time as a, what did you want to be as you, you know, as a, as a young, you know, young lad or, you know, what, what, you know, did you have any aspirations? I, I, I had no, I had no aspirations. Mm. They were battered out of me because uh, I was told I wasn't going to be able to do anything. Yeah. So I just happened to go into nursing. I worked as a nursing assistant. I worked with people with learning disabilities and I thought, oh, I really enjoyed this. Mm. Um, and then, um, I was very much about understanding why they did what they did and what, why the behaviours were there. And I, I literally did a uh, worked on a ward, and a psychologist came on and he said, "What do you think's going on here, Peter?" And I was like, "No, no one's ever asked me what did I think." Yeah. And I said, "Why?" Well, you know. And it actually, so he said, "Well, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's test it out." So we did a, a little psychology experiment, uh, and I suddenly thought, "Okay, that that's something that I really enjoy. I felt good about." And, I, and then that, uh, that's how I ended up going to psychology after that. So um, I worked on treating people for, for, for a few years and I was getting tired. I thought, there's got to be a different way. There's got to be a way of preventing this. Why do we 
kind of accept this. What you know, we have to prevent. We could, we should be able to prevent this, um, and that's what I've spent probably twenty the last twenty years of my career. And suddenly everyone's going, "Oh, it's amazing!" And I'm like, "Yeah, but we're going back to where we were in the nineties. We're focusing on the individual. We're not doing things." We, we, we can't just make people resilient and mindful if we don't do structural things that are causing them the problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's... I mean, if you think, it, you think about it from a football analogy, it's a team that works collectively together. You know, um, your forwards rely on your midfielders, your midfielders rely on, on, on your backs. You can't just do it without, you know, you, you, if there's something wrong in the team, that's making it making you not score fix what's going on behind i think that's uh you know and i it, that that's really important for me uh, i think you know what you do what you can to make the the work the work environment a place where you can help to get people through yeah but, you know I've, I've always you know for since i've been doing this podcast i've always looked at things like the light bulb moment um and that was that seems to be what you had there that light bulb moment where because sometimes these things these light bulb moments come at the, well, well they do actually they do come at the at the most um, you, would, you would say the right time everything kind of comes together at the right time um, whether it's coincidence or whatever I'm not saying I don't believe in luck I just think it's coincidence and, and things happening all the stars aligning and so you you've you kind of you know that that kind of switched on for you then when you when somebody spoke to you and asked you about your opinion. You never had an opinion, or you had. Suddenly, yeah. Suddenly, I had worth. Yes. Suddenly, I had worth, yes. and actually, my opinion mattered, and and that's liberating because I didn't think my opinion did matter because during school that you know, that gets battered out of you when you're a naughty a naughty lad, as they said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but then there's, I think there's been seminal moments during life where you suddenly go, actually, yeah, something like you know, I know about seven years ago um, when my mate, uh, best mate, got uh, was in the middle of his cancer journey. I just suddenly thought, um, and, he, and he died uh, two years afterwards. But I remember thinking, uh, three years afterwards, I remember thinking to myself. I'm just not going to play the game anymore. I'm going to be real, I'm going to be authentic, and I'm going to be genuine. And hopefully that'll be okay. I, and, and, and actually that, that's been a, a sea change in how I've approached mental health. Um, you know, I would challenge and I'll be compassionate and authentic at the same, all in the same way. Yeah. And I think um, my job is to tell the story not to be the story, you know what I mean? Yeah. To tell it in a way that gets people engaged, um, and uh, uh, and that's what hopefully I do. And I see, you know, people seem to like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've connected here, but it's to tell that it's to, it's actually to say having a mental health issue is actually a normal part of life. It's just how we handle it, yeah, exactly. what we do, what do we do. To, to get through and actually what can you do for your friends for your mates for your your brothers your sisters your mothers your aunties whatever how can you be with that person on that journey you know um, which is why I love the our expression in Australia how you're travelling travel with them yeah. but then let them travel on their own when they need to but travel with them if you need to be in that moment in that time that person needs you you travel with them 
and then when they're okay, you let them travel uh, travel on that journey. But uh, yeah, and I, I think um, that light bulb thing, that freeing yourself up to go, I'm just going to be real, and that for me has been really important, just being real. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've had several on that journey. If, you, if you've seen me out in the park, right, yeah. you've seen me on the park now, I'd be saying now on this phone as um, I would be yeah, in the yeah. park. Yeah, it's about gen- being, gen- being genuine and, and and as best you can to be open um, with whatever's happening to you. Because quite often, as men, we um we 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 closed, we closed books, and some of that, in some respects, we don't want to go so far that we take away our what do you call manliness or you know that sense of being a man, you know. We don't want to go so far the other ways, but there's some because we know the statistics about suicide, alcoholism, drugs, and all those sort of things, and just all these other things that happen that can take hold of us. Um, like you say, anxiety, depression. Um, we need to we need to start to look to talk to each other and open up. So you're you're when you, when you before you had that moment or you know where the person spoke to you, how was you? What was your kind of like first? Um, what was your first thoughts when you when you went onto a ward or seeing people that were maybe showing? What you know, you know, obviously going to go back going back a few years. But what was? Can you remember what your thoughts were? You know, were you shocked? Were you... Well, no, I, I thought there's got to be a different way. Mm-hmm. I walked on, but what? I, I actually thought, why? Why do people do what they do? And I, I guess. I, that's been my inquisitiveness that's taken me through life. Yeah. And I thought, um, why do they do what they do? Because I wanted to understand why people do what they do. And, uh, you know, uh, but I, I, I went into that environment having a sense of, well, you know, you're not going to make much here because your, your school teachers said, you know, and you, your experience at school is that, you know, you, you really, you, you know, find a job and hopefully you'll keep it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then there's this other side of my brain which is like, why do people do that? So that, that um, so for me, it was it was it was a moment where I suddenly had a bit a bit of self a self belief that I could achieve something, um, and uh, and that somebody thought for a second, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I, I remember I was 21, I was 21, and that was the first time someone significant had gone. That's great. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. thought, well, uh, and that made me feel like uh, feel feel sort of engaged um, and, and what have you. And, oh no, I was twenty four. Actually, I was twenty four. So, uh, I mean, I had a happy life, and I'd done. I really enjoyed myself yeah, and yeah, did all the usual things. You know, yeah. played football was crap. Um, uh, my dad managed the team once and made me centre forward just for one game. It's a disaster. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but you know the, the point is I think from it it's that ember of someone thinking you're okay and that starts that you know that starts that process um, uh, yeah so it's the, when you you use those at moments in your life to build on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing um, uh, and actually for me it's passion I get up every day and I feel the same passion for mental health as I did five years ago. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
if I get up and I don't feel it, then I'm in the wrong job. You know what I mean? Exactly. exactly. So you know when when did you first kind of realise that you were there was anxiety? What was your what was the first thing that either triggered it or that you thought, oh gosh, or was it was it? Was it self? It was, it, it, was, it was tiredness, cumulative tiredness, and suddenly my brain was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd perceive something as a threat um, straight away, and, and I couldn't understand. I remember I, um, when I went to see a psychologist, and he said to me, he said, "This is before I was," a, and I was, actually I told this psychologist when I just became a psychologist, and he said, "Peter, your brain has got a box at the moment. It's a big box, and everything that's there is a threat." He said, "You need to shrink your box," and I just thought, "Brilliant concept," because I, from an anxious point of view, I thought I saw everything as being anxious. But if I could shrink the box, I could shrink the impact it had on it had on uh, had on me. Um, so I wouldn't say it was any particular event. It was a cumulative event where I, I'd worry about something, and then suddenly uh, that worry became excessive, and you know, and, and carried on from there. Um, but learning to, uh, you know, if I get tired, then the anxiety will come back. So yeah. I've got to manage my physical uh, side, uh, my mental side, um, you know, and uh, and make. So I do that now. I do that and think, okay, so I'm going to go to bed now because I'm, I'm knackered, and you know, um, and, and, and so I've learned to identify the triggers. And if I do have a bad sesh. As I call it, and it goes for a few days. I run with it because I think oh, I'm going to get through this. I don't feel great, but I'm going to get through this because I've I've got through it in the past. Um, and then I I tell the people around me I'm just not in a good place, yeah. and they go okay cool, um, and they know what to do. They know that they I'll they'll just go for a walk with me, and I'll you know we'll we'll, we'll talk it out. Um, and thankfully that's over the years that's that gets less and less um, but it never it doesn't go it sits there yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and, you know I think if you if you embrace it and yeah. go okay well I know it's part of me it'll come out so here just yeah. um, let's just run with that and, you know and uh, uh, my curiosity for human behaviour and human nature hasn't changed I'm still still fascinates me still get up and I just get I've always had a brain of asking why why that why 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 mum used to say why is it why is why is a crooked letter I must have been I must have been a kid and asked a lot of why questions so yeah so when you talk about the anxiety what does what did for the listeners out there because you know everyone goes through um, you know, people have gone through. Some people have gone through anxiety. Um, it, it could be different for different people. What did anxiety look like for you? And then you, you spoke about going to see somebody. And I'm presuming, obviously, now because you've learned to to shrink, it still exists. But it, 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 would you say that you shrank it down? First question is, what does anxiety look like to you? What did it look like yeah. to you? And ha- have you, you you you're basically saying that you've managed to shrink it down? Yeah. So. I mean, a really good incident. I started a PhD um, and I did all the collection of the data. And then I went to write it up and I was just having heart palpitations um, as soon as I started writing because I dyslexia and dyspraxia. 
it, it became a major block. Um, I, I remember having a conversation with one of my bosses in work and I'd done something not quite to stand and they told me off. And I sat in my office and I just burst out crying. Because mm. um, it, it was, I, I mean, it was, so main, it was so minor, but it was enough. It was that event. And I remember I phoned, the first person I, I got out of the office, I went for a walk and who do I phone? I phoned my mum in Australia. And I'm like, and she went, you know, son, you've got to go, go and see your doctor, take some time out, you need some space. Uh, so yeah, so that, that was, that was like, that, who do you phone? <laughs> you phone your mum, you're in, you're, you're in your 30s on the first place, and she's, I mean, she was dead right. Get out of there, take some time off and sort it out. Um, and what was the second part of the question? Um, do you, how do you find that? Well, you, I mean, you, you kind of answered it earlier. Is that do you think from that initial um, first kind of meeting where he said shrink the box? Oh, with the therapist, yeah. yeah do you find that it's, it's you've managed to do that now? Yeah, yeah, because I'm 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 aware. Of, I, I look for my triggers. Yeah, I'm aware of what they are. If I get tired, I know I'm going to get um, the anxiety will arise. Yeah. Uh, so I got to control that and. Um, and manage it. I can't. I can't be a specialist on health and well-being, can I? On mental health and, yeah, yeah. and well-being, if I don't live the same values that I preach, and that's what I try and do. You know, um, I, you know, I make sure I finish at a certain time, and then I, you know, I might have a beer or I go and have a bath. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. do something that just relaxes me, um, and I think that's very important. Like, you know, to, uh, so it, it, it's 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 creating opportunities to get you, you to to recognise those small tricks as they're coming up and going bang. You know, I need to do something about it. Yeah. How have you found? Uh, and don't watch don't don't watch donkey videos at six in the morning on YouTube. <laughs> probably. <laughs> how have you found? How have you found um, people's attitudes to over the years? You know, going going through the the ages, the things that since you started, you know, both in a professional level, and as well as people who who are not on that, you know, people who are on outside looking in. Have you found people's attitudes towards, you know, you talk, we spoke about it earlier about people saying, you know, crazy. So sorts of I guess we're talking. You know, has it changed? Yeah, I mean, twenty years ago, if I was to ask the question, what's a mental health? What's mental illness? People would give you the, the stories from the papers, you know, uh, of significant stories of people, you know, like, you know, with knives and all sorts of other stuff like that. Because actually, mental illness was seen as something scary, something uh, something strange. And, um, now, when I run a workshop or I do a conference and I ask, what is mental health? People talk about depression, about anxiety, about general depression, general anxiety. So I think we've changed. We've made it okay to talk about mental health. We've made it okay in some ways to say, yeah, I'm not feeling great. Um, what we're beginning to see is a change in, in the culture, in, in some of the male-dominated male professions that we're in. But, but actually, there's a societal change that needs to be that needs to happen and that's happening gradually where we say it's okay to talk about our emotions it's okay to to to, to do that and um you, you many things you referenced before it's what society says we should be but where do those those values come from they come from um of an opinion that's that's put forward and people say well is there an alternative opinion to that you know, why do we say man up because actually it makes some people feel better, but it makes a lot of other people not feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
do, why do we why do we go to people that you know men don't cry why why don't they cry because men do cry why do why do we not have that sensible conversation um actually uh you know one of the amazing things to see is the amount of people walking together through the park and people being forced to talk to each other and engage with each other and i think it's uh it's amazing to watch and and that's probably one of the things that have come out of that out of this pandemic experience is we talk a bit more because we want to get out but let's hope we don't just drop that and re- re- regress back into our own yeah. our own little world and don't let people out you know yeah. so um so i guess it's yeah we, we've got to address these attitudes that we somehow think you know i mean and yeah. that's part of your role that's part of my role is to challenge those to say well there is a different way <laughs> there is another way and that way is probably more more beneficial um, you know so uh, and there are these advocates such as the footballers the rugby league players the politicians and everyone a number of people senior leaders in, in organizations of business coming out and saying I've experienced I've had, I have a, a lived experience of depression or anxiety or, or stress they, they, you know you destigmatize it by making it a general general a general conversation piece yeah mm. uh, I was uh, only recently I was uh, when the pubs were open I remember I was sat in the booth having a beer on me and the people in the booth next to me were talking about someone who was going through depression and anxiety and there was four of them and, and they were like oh well we need to do this and we need to do that and well maybe and I suddenly thought wow you know we've got a we're getting to a place where we can actually have those conversations yeah. um we're not we're not there by any means, but we've we've, we've started that journey. Yeah. I think you know. So you think things have things have changed? You're you're saying that things have changed for the good, and you've seen it. Basically, you've seen it in the profession. You've seen it on in in day, like you said day to day life, um, and that must be a good thing, particularly for you know, I say for men, but I mean men and women. But you know, we, you know, we struggle. We do struggle a lot as men, um, and post forget if you forget the, the pandemic side of things. Do you did you find that? It, what what do you think the things that have made it got worse? Do you think it's societal things? Do you think it's money? Do you think it's this drive to money? Do you, what 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 do you think has made it get to a difficult stage in a sense for men or women, particularly men? I just I, I well um, you know I, I think in, in in some ways we bought into the societal norms, but no one knows where they came from. Um, you know, no one's ever. Uh, you know, yeah, there are, in a recession, there are going to be issues that your people will face significant financial difficulties, which will impact their emotional, their emotions and how they, and they do that. Um, on the lead up to it, you know, if we, uh, you know, we see comments through the, through the mass media at manning up doing this and that. One of the things that's been really interesting over the last couple of years and, and I write, and I, as you know, on my LinkedIn, I've talked about this, is actually we, um, we've had a media scenario where we concent- where in the past they've concentrated on the negatives of mental health, ill health, whereas recently they've concentrated on the, the last few, to so say the last five years, and there are positives in people having positive mental health. Interestingly enough, during the, the last 11 months, and one of my criticisms is you need to give people hope. Mm. Yeah. And actually, if you go and tell them there's death and doom, 
but you don't give them hope and you don't address their mental health, then yeah, then we, we fail people at, at a societal level. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? People need hope, uh, and, and that hope is actually about we'll get to a place where actually we can communicate and you know we will we'll see each other or, or you know um so i can have somebody in my back garden for the first time in like five months yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know and uh, so that for me is a hopeful thing because you know i've got a got a massive barbecue because i'm australian and i bought a, a, a patio here because it's it's cold over here yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm fully ready to keep you warm and do a little bit of cooking on the side um but i i i um it's societal stuff you know and uh, i think it's great now when uh, every every week i read uh once or twice a day an article on mental health yeah. and that has changed and about and that's and that's changed because people are doing that it's still a way to go but you know what i mean but just making someone mindful and resilient doesn't help, does it? No. Hey, let's make you mindful and resilient. We'll put you back into an environment that's toxic. What's going to happen? 1990s, we taught people to cope. In the 20s, what are we, in the 21st? I can't. Um, are we teaching people to cope? Because if we teach people to cope, one thing happens. They eventually something will seep out do you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. we have to we can't just simply be, teach people to, to to cope we have to actually give people hope we have to make sure um that we can do things to improve their workplace as well as um as well as their personal you know as their home um so that for me keeps me keeps me going is that I believe we can make workplaces um, places which promote health rather than, than promote mental ill health and and I and, and I transfer that into the community is the impact that sports can have and why sports is important that sense of engagement being part of a team being connected and all of those are really good and that's when obviously depending on when you view this, you know, as of Monday, certain sports teams will be able to meet and play again. And that's yeah. going to improve on people's mental health. And so, yeah. yeah. And wow, we've been, on, we've been on an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, before we go, before, you know, before we wrap this up and stuff, because, I mean, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, you know, it'd be nice to hear you, some of the things that you do, some of the work that you do do and some of the success stories. Um, what would you say to somebody who maybe... Yeah, say to people because you talk about hope um, and when we look at hope we look at things like faith and spirituality and all that sort of stuff because that's what things are turning to now it's turned to people looking inside themselves and looking at others and it's not just about oh we can't fix this with tablets we can't fix this with, me- fix this with medication and things like that there's, there's got to be something else that can get us through this whether it be music whatever it is these things that keep us going and you'll talk about hope there what what would you say to somebody who may be struggling with mental health? I'd say find your find your space, find something that takes you out where you are into into a better place. Um, and if that's walking, do walking. If that's phoning up somebody and saying, "Hey, can I can I have a chat? <laughs> can we can we talk through this thing?" If that's about if you want to, you know, I I love my music, so I 
what I do sometimes is switch the TV off, um, chuck on Spotify, and then I have my playlist and um, and then, you know, I'll get a, maybe a glass of wine. So I just find way, I think people have to find their own way. There's no, there's no sort of blueprint for this. It's about finding what gives you pleasure and gives you those moments of, 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 of happiness. Like, you know, it's control, isn't it? Taking back control. That, that feeling takes that control away from you. So, there, so, you can, so you can take back control at an individual based on something that really, you know, like if you, you know, if you like going sailing or you want to go, there's any variety of things that tick your box. I don't know, what's it like for you? I mean, you, um, do you still get out and have a bit of a kick around? Um, no, re- no, not really. Because, I'm, because I live here and because it's a, it's a hot country, it's hard yeah. to, to get, you know, even now it's what, 30s, in the 30s, maybe 32, 33. Um, so, I, you know, I, you know, I tend to go to the beach is just there. I tend to go to the beach and chill out at the beach or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. I'm, past, I'm past the days of, um, I can't say past it because people play my age. Um, but, um, I, you know, I did, I, I did martial arts for years and years. So that was been my thing, kind of coping with life and stuff like that. And that was something for me, you know. Yes, there's groups of people there, police officers and doctors and all that. So I'm surrounded by it. But that's something for me, away from my um, immediate friends, um, you know, people that I know or whatever. Um, so, you know, I'd like to say thank you for, for coming. Uh, coming. I was going to ask you. <laughs> I was going to ask you. This is a funny one. How was your How was your How was your anxiety when um, Liverpool? For the fast, how many thirty years? And Liverpool haven't been winning the, um, haven't been winning the league, and you know oh. the success stories of the years. You know the Kevin Keegan, Toshak era, Shankly. Then it came to Beardsley. Well, I, I, I'll put it this way: I was waiting to happen. But let me illustrate. When Australia played the uh, England in the World Cup yeah. back in nineteen eighties, and that Johnny Wilkinson picked up that ball and shot it through the post. There was that just moment when you're like, you know, Johnny Wilkinson's going to get the ball, and that's it. The World Cup goes, goes, go. The Rugby Union World Cup goes to, uh, goes to the England. And I was surrounded by a group of England fans, and I just put my head in despair. I thought, I remember that feeling. But actually, yeah, I mean, it was the longest wait ever, uh, and uh, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was great to see. Um, but, you know, if you look back at the history of, of you know, significant managers in, in football and rugby league, they've all got common traits. They look after their, their teams. They, t- they feel they, they play for the boss. Yeah. And I think from a mental health perspective, that's really important. You do the things that people, for people who make you feel valued. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, bring it back to mental health. Value your people and their mental health and they'll value you and then that there's a correlation. <laughs> Um, cool. I say thank you for coming on, and um, um, Peter, the coffee connoisseur, Kelly. That's me. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> hope you all enjoyed those coffee beans. Just about to go and have a, a another coffee or a hot chocolate. I haven't decided yet, so yeah. I might treat myself to a hot. Chocolate. You've got a woolly jumper on. Then is 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 England cold at the moment? Then it is if you're an Aussie, mate. So, <laughs> I've just seen people walk outside in t-shirts. Like, it's like ten degrees. 
yeah. what are you doing wearing a t-shirt in 10 degrees yeah crazy <laughs> this, this jumper's on till 15 minimum and then uh, then i might take it off like you know so uh, well, no, cool but it'd be nice to chat to you yeah, nice good, to chat to you good talking to you and um you know i'd like to have you back on again we can talk about um, some of aspects of mental health and some of the things that you do actual clips of work that you do yeah absolutely cool no worries Fantastic. up for that all right then and that was men are nuts speak to you soon